Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. And hello, hello, this is Our Wondrous World with Helena Margareta, or this is Helena Steiner-Hornstein. I am so happy to be back with you again. It's been a little while. I have simply been too busy. And uh, I just talked with my guest. I have a guest with me today. Her name is Dee Hilliard, and I'm going to introduce her in a little moment. But I just told her that I've had this show probably for five years now. And in the beginning, I did the show very uh, routinely once a week. And then I realized it took too much of my time. I just couldn't fit it in with recording sessions and and, uh, doing that every week with my travels and with my own private practice. It just didn't work. So now I'm doing it when I have the time. And evidently I had the time right now. This week I'm preparing myself for my trip to Europe. And uh, for those of you in Europe who are waiting for me, I'll be there. (laughs) As from next week, you can reach me. And the best way to reach me is through my website, www.activeil, or Speaking to Your Heart, which is the other name. Activeil is written A-C-T-I-V-A-L-E, Activeil, at uh, Activeil. Dot com or the email address is activeail at gmail.com. So those were the commercials, and I am going to continue on my third book this summer. And anyone who has any kind of material you would like me to add to the book, please let me know. Email me at activeail at gmail.com. Anyway, I have my good old friend Dee Hilliard with me today. Hello, Dee. Hello, how are you doing? This is wonderful to be with you today. Thank you. And I just spoke to Dee and we said that we go back many, many years and we have even worked together a little bit. And a particular one case I would like to mention maybe a little later as we go along that was very, very successful with a woman who had a brain tumor. But um, Dee now divides her time between California and Florida. I believe. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Dee. Well, yes, you're right. I divide myself between mainly California and Florida, and I have customers in both places, but they also go to different places. So a lot of times I'll go to New York, um, Connecticut, Colorado, and um, Santa Fe, New Mexico, different places like that. Even in Mexico, I've had to go and work with clients. So um, my work that I do, which I call a work of art, and it's a lovely mission, is helping people to move themselves forward in life and to understand how to manifest, how to improve their life mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, and spiritually. And so uh, mainly I do this. I do it by phone or in person. And also I teach color therapy and as well as I'm an aromatherapist for many, many years working with uh, pure essential oils that helps us to have total wellness. 
Well, that sounds great. And I know with you know, since I know you as, as personally, you have the same energy as I have. I mean, the energy of the light, so to speak, this high frequency energy. And that's why it's so easy. It has been so easy to work together with you for the same purpose, so to speak. Mm. And right now, where are you at this moment? I'm in California, and I'm in the country um, about 150 miles east of San Francisco. And it's where they do all of the organic, uh, a lot of the organic farming and as well as high dairy and also goat milk, and then famous for all the fruits and nuts. <laughs> More ways than one, maybe. <laughs> Many kinds, probably. <laughs> okay, so um, today we have promised, I promised in the headline, uh, and by the way, the I have uh, listeners all over the world, and I think mm-hmm. it's now up to 86 countries that are involved and there are tens of thousands of people listening to me so i'm very happy about that too oh yes so um, and and i travel in places i've never been to before and i can meet someone who says oh i heard that voice before or do you have a radio show and it goes back to they have listened to me and i'm amazed how people can find you so (laughs) this thing about the internet you know it really works (laughs) yes Well, our technology today brings us closer together, so that's a good thing. Yeah. So, and I do a lot of my work over uh, over Skype. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Wonderful. most of my work is over the telephone or Skype. I don't do too many personal visits anymore. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so today we're going to speak about the power of our words and the meaning of our words that we speak, and also talk about the colors that we where, you know, the power and the meaning of the colors, you know, I hope we can get that into. So first about the words. And I once went to, I don't go to many workshops, I give them, but I went to a little workshop once about this subject, and I thought it was so fascinating, and I truly learned a lot, because people uh, say too many of the wrong things. And I went to a party the other night, and a woman said, oh, you know, I had that dessert at that place, and it was to die for. I would never say that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> what do you say? You know, I wouldn't die over a dessert, you know. <laughs> what do you say about that kind of expression? Well, it's kind of interesting. I have studied the power of the word for many, 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 many years because I had a question as a child, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're born into this world and you're gifted, but you don't know you're gifted. You're, you know, you're no. just a child, and uh, you kind of know things. And so, when I was younger, it came to me that a lot of words that we speak have a feeling into them. And then I realized that people were manifesting which were causing creations in their life, but it was not necessarily good. It wasn't happy. Um, it seemed very negative. So I I started observing, and then because I was a very, um, a, a child that had visions, and I had like an angelic being that I would ask questions to because I could see it, I, I was explained 
uh, in increments so that the little child mind could understand. And as I got older, then um, I understood it a lot better because then your mind can take in and then be able to organize it for delivery. Mm -hmm. So what happens that with people, when we speak words, we are um, raised in an environment and we are copycats as children. And that means that we're... We truly are. forget that when we have children, that we are role models for these children. Yes, parents forget because no one really takes you as a parent and says this is exactly how you're supposed to do it, even though they've attempted to do that in some places. So as a child, you're an observer, and as the observer, you start acting like your role models. And that can be all the people that seem to be adults that are around you. And what happens is we not only are born with a certain type of cellular memory that you could actually call an imprint, uh, but we also are imprinted as we go along the way by our instructions that are given to us as a child. And then we start copying how our role models are acting. And so it's something that seems normal to us. So when you eat an amazing dessert and you say, oh, it was something to die for, and you say it with great emotion, we have no idea that we are instructing a dying into uh, uh, our body, which means a part of a death. And this is an imprint. This is what we've learned to say. It's a pattern that comes from families. And if you, you know, we're unconscious, you know, we're unconscious when we speak. So a lot of times when we're speaking and we get on a roll in talking, we do it unconsciously even though we consciously insert things. So we have an unconscious way of performing and acting, and that involves your mental thinking, your emotions of how you receive information, and then how you speak it and deliver it. And so since man and woman, and it speaks in these the Bible or history books that God, the maker, gave man, which also indicates woman, the power of the word. So what in the world does that mean? So this is what uh, I worked with myself as a younger person to discover the meaning which actually I discovered at a very young age that it was a way to manifest, to create something to make it happen in this world. And so since the majority of people are unconscious of this power that you have in what you speak or think, the thought, then they're creating their life and they didn't realize that they created their life And so some people who are patterned or imprinted into poverty, they think along those lines, so they have troubles getting out of that poverty thinking. And then you go to the opposite end of the scale, who was raised with a lot of money, and so their thinking is that it's there, and a lot of times it is there, because the pattern is that it's there, so they seem to attract more. So in working with the power of the word, it goes beyond just speaking it. It has a vibration, a frequency that goes out, which is from the emotional end. And so depending on the passion that you spoke 
these words or thought this thoughts, they leave us, and it's like going around in a circle like a snowball collecting. It creates, the longer we think about it and the more energy we put into it, and then it gives it back to us. And most of the time, we're, we don't even know that this is happening. And so what I teach people is that we are the co-creators of our life. And through the power of the word, we are invoking our imprinted pattern that we don't even know that we have in mm-hmm. us. And then when you become aware of it, you still fall backwards into the old pattern at a different level, but then you're working on yourself to attract the new. But it's like playing a sport. The more you practice it, the better you get. If you practice it sometimes, it works sometimes. If you hardly practice it, it hardly works. And if you propel yourself because you really know that this works, then it really goes out there and it works for you. When you have the wisdom and knowledge of knowing and feeling and sensing what you're saying, knowing and feeling and sensing, then now you are taking that thought and and pushing it into the creation. This is so interesting because mm -hmm. uh, people walk around having negative words in them all the time, and of course it works for them. It It gives them more of that negative, doesn't it? Well, we're raised in the negative. When you think about raising children, one of the first things that you hear is no, don't touch that. No, don't touch that. That's not, no, no, you can't go there. But be, be be careful when you go outside. No, no. So it's always in the negative, And that's why you hear these two-year-olds stamping their feet and go, no, no. <laughs> so <laughs> no. Yeah. we're trained yeah. in the negative. And so then how can you be positive? So then all through school, especially in America, you have to work really hard to get where you're going. <laughs> And so there's a belief you got to work really hard. And so then the child is taught, well, you got to work really hard. And if you're raised in the negative, you are speaking in the negative all the time. And then you can't figure out why all these weird things happen to you. Well, why did this negative thing happen? Why did I get sick? You know, why did that happen? And how come I, you know, can't have this because I don't have enough money? How come I can't make enough money? <laughs> because in our imprint that we have the pattern you can only make as much money as you know that you can make so when you're asking for for information this came to me a long time ago ask and you shall receive of course i was pondering on that going yeah right because we don't know what we really ask for (laughs) and then we ask for something that sounds really great but it's like there's the impossible that comes So this is something to ponder on. Ask knowing, and you will receive according to your knowing to receive. So that makes a big difference. Ask knowing, and you will receive according to your knowing to receive. So if you are also always say be grateful, have a a feeling of gratitude together with this. Yes, if you have your feeling, well, there goes the feeling market. So if you're raised in a family where they're anxious, anxiety, in fear, 
they're nervous, they're always afraid, then you can only ask knowing within those realms because that's all you know. Unless, and that is the image of our society, of course, that we yeah. always have been geared or educated that way. Right. And that's why we are so afraid of, I noticed in, in some groups, they're so afraid of spirituality because they have been brought up in, under the shadow of, of religion with all the fear and, you know, you can't do this and you have to believe in a certain way. And so the power of your word, the way it will leave you, because it's a vibration and a frequency, and with the force that you put it out with, with the emotional feeling, is going to go out with that imprint of that fear or the negativity or the poverty or the lack or the sickness, uh, all those other negative things. And so mm-hmm. when you're looking to make a shift, getting to know you, you got to get to know yourself. Like, what yeah. does this word mean to me? And you sit down and, and you you write that word and you go, well, what does it really mean? And I'll give you an example. I had a customer and she had anxiety in her. And anxiety is a nervousness, you know, you, it's fearfulness. Uh, you feel tensed up and... And yeah, you're, you're kind of afraid. Yeah. So mm-hmm. That's anxiety. So I said to her, what's the opposite word of anxiety? If the pendulum is over here or the needle is over here on zero point anxiety, what would be the opposite meaning of that word? First thing she said was anxiety. I said, no. No, what's the opposite word of anxiety? Anxiety. So I said, okay. She couldn't get out of that. (laughs) She couldn't get out of anxiety. So I said, okay. So what does anxiety mean to you? And she she had to really think. I don't know. It just feels awful. Okay. So what would be the the opposite of feeling awful? Uh, Feeling a little bit less awful? I said, what about feeling good, be happy, the emotions of that. And she this couldn't woman come up actually, with those words? Yeah. She actually looked at me and says, I have no feeling or no definition of any of those words. Wow. So she was raised in a family of anxiety, and they could only scale themselves through less anxiety or less nervousness. But it was always there. Yeah. And that's an imprint. And so the power of their word, whenever they spoke anything or thought, it always had that tension hooked onto it. Yeah. So when that goes around and leaves you, guess what it attracts? More of the same. Like attracts like. Yes. Yes. Right. So now what do, uh, I don't want to forget that. What about affirmations? If we now start in the middle of, of, of negativity, well, that's a good question. Yeah, that's an excellent question. How many of you have had a very good affirmation? Let's let's do an affirmation. Um, I am very happy, and I enjoy life. Okay, that's a that's an affirmation. Yeah. And so you repeat it. You know morning, noon, and night before going to bed, or you repeat it and grab it throughout the day, or you say it, you know, every time you think about it. 
and this is what people says to me. Well, it doesn't work. How come these affirmations don't work for me? And I say, well, what's the meaning of happiness for you? Uh, <laughs> ponder, ponder, think, think. Yeah. Uh, well, think a wonderful dessert to die for. A wonderful yeah. dessert to die for. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you've had a lot of wonderful desserts to die for? Yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah. I eat a lot of desserts. <laughs> you know, I hear this so much, you know, particularly in this country. I, I never heard it in Europe mm-hmm. that they say, oh, this cake is to die for. I mean, no one would say that in Europe. No, but here they, know I hear it, they don't want to die. <laughs> And, you know, a cake isn't worth it. <laughs> right. It's just like our languaging in America is uh, has a lot to do with guns. You know, mm-hmm. when you're on a job and you get fired. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's uh, an interesting point. I haven't let thought about Let me hit you, that. you know. Hey, did yeah. that hit you? Right? Yeah. Oh, you just shot a uh, bullet at me or you just shot me a bad thing. Maybe yeah. that's how it started in this country with the guns. They shot someone and then they were fired. <laughs> yeah. So it became a great to die for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, it's it's how things are patterned and imprinted. And then uh, also there's a cellular memory inside of us. When mm-hmm. I was 16, cool. I went to Stanford University in California at a doctor's meeting, and they were talking about genetics and and how genetics affect the way we, not only the way we look, but sometimes uh, genetically hooked onto a disease. And so, you know, I raised up my hand and I said, well, we also have cellular memory that affects us. And, of course, you know, this was back in the early 70s, late 60s, and they said, oh, there's no Did they know what you talked about? No. It was like way over the head, like, who are, who are you and what are you doing here? Yeah. And so that is ridiculous. There's no such thing. Well, in the late 80s, they discovered there's there's a thing called cellular yeah. memory. Yeah. Then we got the DNA, you know, and it goes on. But what's interesting in a human being, human being, is we not only operate from the imprinting from being born in this life, we have a cellular memory that gets passed on and passed on, and it's like a, a pattern or a little bit of an imprint that also gets passed on. And so that power of your word or what you're speaking has the intonation and the feeling that is coming out that also, if you're not aware of it, keeps you in a certain positioning. Yeah. Did that make sense? I have to say an interesting story here. Of course, I've worked with past lives a lot as being the cause for certain situations in this lifetime. And there was this man, I mean, I had a client who came to me for a a consultation, and he said, I cannot get any people to to be with. And I said, well, you're good-looking, you're nice, you know, why not? He said, I'm just so, I'm feeling so lonely. I don't feel that anyone wants me. I'm by myself all the time. And then I saw in his cellular memory in the past lifetime, he died by himself, and he was dying slowly. And his last words over and over again and again were, I'm so lonely, I'm so lonely, I'm so lonely, I'm so lonely. And when he came back to this lifetime, he still had those words 
running through his cellular memory as mm-hmm. a child and as a teenager and now in his mm-hmm. 20s. Mm-hmm. So it was just something that had to be taken away. So yeah, those things don't go away. Part. It mm-hmm. plays a big part. And if you're not aware or made aware, awareness is amazing. When you have awareness, then you can work on it. I had something in my own family that I discovered as an eight-year-old, and I just thought it was really kind of strange. My uh, grandmother and all of her children and their children used to stare out the window as if looking for something. And uh, so I was eight years old, and I would see all my uncles and all my aunts and then their older kids, you know, and eventually everybody would eventually start sitting by the window and they'd stare. So I said to my grandmother, I said, why does everybody stare out the window? I say, I even find myself staring out the window sometimes, and I don't know why. And my grandma said, oh, I don't know, nobody stares out the window, do they? I said, yeah. And so she's sitting there thinking, and she says, oh, you know what? This is kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't know if it causes everybody to do it. I came from a big family, and I got married. And my husband and I moved way out in the country in Idaho. We had nobody around us for 50 miles. And there was no babies, no children. So we built our house, and then he had to go out and plow and plant our food and milk the cows because they had this big farm. And she said, I would get so lonely that I would sit and look out the window for him all the time, all the time, to see if he was coming. And she says, sometimes I'd be so lonely, I'd jump on my horse and take some food and go out there and find him someplace wherever he said he was going to be that day. And we had uh, 65 acres. And so she said, and it had a lot of trees on it and stuff. So I'd have to go out there and try to find him. But I would always, always look out the window. Well, when the first baby came, I found myself still looking for Grandpa. You know, we call him Grandpa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so each child that she had kept looking out the window with Grandma to look for Grandpa. Ah, For Dad. Dad. It was a trained behavior, right? And then as they grew up and they got married, they continued the behavior looking out the window, male or female, didn't matter. And then that was passed on to their kids. And so I would notice that, you know, I'd be in um, our house and, you know, everybody would be in their different rooms and I'd be sitting there looking out the window. Then my mother would come and sit and look out the window. Then my brothers would come and look out the window. And I'd notice this. I thought, what are we looking at? <laughs> And you would get a lonely feeling. And that's when I discovered we have memory passed on. And that that affects the power of your word, and that also affects how you conduct yourself through the power of your own internal communication and your communication that goes to others. Yeah, and how you stay in the same box, you know, or same yep. field as your parents. You know, you believe you have to stay poor because your parents were poor. And right. I don't believe that at all. You know, you can really move on. Or stay fearful and not move in from one career to another because you're afraid to make the move. Because that's, another that's thing. not what you're yes. supposed to do. Right. Yeah. This with affirmations, though. If I cannot fall asleep, now usually I go to bed and the, I usually I'm asleep as I turn off the light. But if I cannot fall asleep, then I come up with affirmations, and they're good ones like I'm happy, I'm well, 
I'm successful, you know. And mm-hmm. I fall asleep with the feeling, oh, I'm good, you know. <laughs> I'm really good. And it carries over to the next morning. And many people forget, you know, they go to bed with those words ringing their ears. Oh, I have no money. I'm not successful. I'm so by myself. I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a woman. You know, somebody, my boss yelled at me today. I never can do anything good with it. Something like this. Yes. Yeah, it's the negative intonations, or they can have expectations. I can't hardly wait to do this or to do that, and they get their expectations expectations way beyond what may be because they're not able to open up to have that great expectation. Yeah, that is another thing, you know. So when you're doing an affirmation to go to bed at night to to rest, what is your Mm -hmm. meaning of relaxation? Does that include being safe? What is your meaning of being able to go into such a relaxed sleep that when you wake up, you're so refreshed and energized. What if you've always been sick in your life? You have no idea what refresh and energize mean. No. It's just that you wake up. Yeah. But, See? you know, notice that with people with problems. They actually take their problems with them from work and to their table, to their bed. They They carry those problems with them all the time. And these yeah. are, as you said, the words also. Like someone has been yelling, or you, you know, saying some bad words. And I see this a lot in relationships, where mm-hmm. one, one side, one spouse is is abusive to the other one with the bad right. words, and mm-hmm. the other spouse, of course, goes down, 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 and he or she cannot understand why they are not happy together. Well, how would it work when someone is called all kinds of bad things all the time? And the same with children who have those have parents who say, well, you're good for nothing. You cannot do this. And let me take over. And let someone else grown up do this instead. All those words that indicate that they cannot do it. And they carry that with them too, don't they? Well, they carry that with them. <clears throat> then when they look to power themselves out of it, They can't power themselves out of it because they don't know any different. And so once you identify it, then you can shift it. But it's the identifying the awareness that um, helps you to go past that. It's very interesting in relationships, if I can go back to that for a moment. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what most of our problems are about, I notice. I'm sure when people come to you, that's what they have and that's what I have. A lot of relationship problems. But it's very interesting in relationship problems. It used to be in what we called the old-fashioned world that you married somebody in your community, that you all went to church together, picnics together, school together, you know, the small communities thing. And the reason that they felt that that was a good thing is because they all had the same type of uh, raising and guidance from the adults so that there was a certain pattern already in place for a relationship to have something in common, a common. And -hmm. then there was the uniqueness of each little family, but it was easier to have the more common common relationship where you can talk and and have the same enjoyments or like to do the same things. What's happening in what we call the modern 
world. We don't marry even in the same country or in the same state because we're more mobile. And we don't always marry in the same faith. We don't always marry in the same community. And we're all branched out. And so the attraction and all attractions are through a frequency and a vibration of something a little bit in common somewhere. And so, but then they have to work at this relationship because the other frequencies are not agreeing. And so they're raised totally different, especially with two people that marry from different countries, have different eating habits, different beliefs, and different religions. But they yes, have I know all that. You know, yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. been married three times, and each man was from a dif- different country, from England, from Germany, and from the United States. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn all over how to to get along with not only the spouse, but also with his family, with his friends, and with the ho- whole society. It's not right. that easy. It's a whole web of that you're connected into. And it can be a whole new web that you have to get used to, do you know, to get used to it. And it's called adjusting, you know, yeah. adjusting your frequency. I have noticed, frequency. though, that um, it, although you have different habits and so on, if you have the same intellectual and social standard, you know, mm-hmm. it works much easier than if somebody comes from, you know, from a low social class and marries into a higher social class. That is high, that's very, very hard, particularly from different countries, as it is if you are in the same country. But mm-hmm. I think those social differences are probably worse than actually the, uh, the geographical and the, uh, what you call the ethnic difference, the way I've seen it and observed around me. Well, the people that are successful in doing that have the capability, you can call it intellect if you want, have the intability to think outside of their own little box. Mm-hmm. True. They, they True. have the, the ability to reach outside and to learn something new and incorporate it. And that's so, what life is about on the whole, isn't it? To get out it of is. the box. <laughs> it is. It's, it's yeah. life as a whole. And so what happens is when you have that attitude about life, which becomes an attribute then what happens is you change the uh, your power of your word because yeah. you've grown, you, you've yeah. ex- you know you've caused a growth, you've caused a shift to occur. And this I always is so find interesting. It, yeah, uh, and yeah. I interrupt. I'm sorry. That's the problem when you don't see each other. You know, if we would right. sit at the at the table, we would do that to each other. But this is so interesting what you have to say. Have you written a book or articles or anything like that? You know, um, you know, you've known me for a long time, so you know I do a lot of um face to face, I call it. I'm in front of the customer. But I have been asked uh to put this together and I've started a whole thing on short essays. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have some uh stories that have come to me that I would write uh, you know, I've got them partially written. And when I travel, because I, I travel in the car, and I'll have like a four-hour drive, and all of a sudden a piece of information will come to me in a story form. 
I used to write books when I was in the fifth grade uh, and fifth and sixth grade that were published in my little elementary school for the first and second graders because they read stories to them. And I used to, you know, give talks and, and tell stories of how people can advance. And a lot of people say, well, that was quite a lot of knowledge for a young age, but it it was a natural for me. So, yeah, I've been asked to do this, and um, so I will be, you know, having this come out. The other thing that uh, plays a big part in advancing ourselves and, and being able to focus and to expand your knowing so that you can receive according to your new base of knowing is through the power of color. Yes, and uh, maybe we should talk about the power of colors too because that is so interesting. But first, are there any negative words we shouldn't use? I was taught uh, that you shouldn't say want, I want this. You should say I wish for this and so on. What, what about those things? Do you know in a negative Well, if you word? knew the true meaning of want, I always tell a little story that was a true story. Um, mm-hmm. But if you know the true meaning of want, it means that you are reaching for it, but you never get it. Oh, Okay, you, you're always thinking about it, and you're reaching for it, but you don't allow yourself to receive it. And so it depends on your meaning of the word want. And I'll tell you a cute little story, which is a true story. It's about two men that lived on a street that I lived on. And this one man loved Corvettes. He loved the red Corvette with the tan interior. That's an American car, the Corvette. And he loved the way the wheels were. He just loved everything about it. And he had posters all up in his garage. And he kept saying, I really want that car. (laughs) Yeah, I really want that car. I really want that car. So he would invite his friend over, the neighbor. They were close friends. And he'd say, yeah, look at this car. And then they'd go to the car dealership. "Look Look at this one. This is the one I want, the red one, whatever. And his friend says, yeah, you need to get it. He goes, yeah, I really want it, really want it. Well, after about three months of this, his friend across the street pulls up in his driveway in a brand-new red Corvette with a tan interior. (laughs) And so the neighbor who wants the car and has all the posters, he goes running over and he goes, what happened? What happened? He says, well, you convinced me. I didn't just want the car. I went out and bought it. (laughs) <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> that is a good story. You know, that and the is guy a very, who wanted very good it story. Never, the guy who wanted it never, never, never bought a Corvette. You see? He wouldn't allow himself. Yeah. So know the meaning of your word. The other word is try. Try really means I attempt it, but I will never make it. There's always going to be something that I just don't quite make it but you can try, try to do so something another, and you yeah. will mm-hmm. you will have different levels of trying it will take you to a certain point but you just don't make it you just don't yeah. make it yeah. so try is you know an absolutely a word that i don't even use when you say I, train, I did some sales training back you know when i was in my teens i think you know mm-hmm. like you need to get sales training if you want to mm-hmm. go into PR or something. And right. then we were trained not ever to say, you know, let's make meet at 12 o'clock. And then we said, 
in the training. Oh, I tried to make it. And we were told, never, never say, I tried to make it. Say, I will be there. Right. And this is, I'm sorry, interrupted you. Please continue. <laughs> well, that's see, that's the point of knowing. Yeah. When you say, I will be there, you know, you're making a point to everybody, I will be there. When you say, I try, well, if something comes up, I may not get there. Yeah. And when you have a very important meeting or a very important graduation where you're going to receive great honors, you surely don't want to be late for that. Yeah, it's so true. And, you don't yeah, try, so, you do it. And, but uh, but in, yeah. in the English languaging, that's what you hear all the time because you're trained that way, just like you have to work really hard in life. Yeah. And you know what I tell my nephews and my nieces? No, 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 no. That's that's the wrong word. You work very intelligently because you're smart. You're related to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is good. I said those things to my grandchildren and it has worked. You know, you're smart. Look at me, you know. I'm smart yeah. too. I'm smart to get it from me. Yeah. I'm not sure that parents like that much, but <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of interesting because in this world, we're trained to judge. And we have judges, right, that we appoint to judge us. And then, of course, yeah. we judge other people, right? So there's a yeah, pattern. There's a pattern in the world that we're all imprinted in, judging. So, you know, when we go out and we judge something, we may misjudge it, right? We may get a wrong Im- impression, because everything we hear and see and feel has to go through the filter of the imprint. And that's why when you go to a seminar, say you have six people that you went with in the seminar, they all heard something different in that seminar. And you, you know, and sometimes it's the so truth. different. It was, you yes. go, yeah, you say, are you sure you're at the same seminar I was? <laughs> Yeah, I have this a lot when people tell me, but you told me I should not do that. I said, no, I didn't say that. I said, you could do what you want. It's your choice. I said, I didn't give you an opinion on that. And they interpret everything the way, I don't know what it is, but people listen differently. It's called the uh, pattern that they learn to hear by. Yeah, and I always tell the fun kind of story about men and women let's say a man and a woman, they have a fight. And uh, it ends up with the woman saying, oh, you're so stupid, leave, leave, go away. And he packs up his things and, and he goes to the door and is on his way out and she yells at him, what are you doing? He said, but, you know, you told me to leave. And she said, no, I didn't, you're stupid. I didn't want you to leave at all, you know. Why don't you understand me? And this is how we are in life. We we talk by each other. We don't really understand that um, we don't know how to express ourselves. How do we say this properly? You know, someone is fighting and actually want yes instead of no, but they say no. Right. Well, you see and it in the whole uh, world. You see that's it in the what whole everything world. is, yes. Yeah. Communication. <clears throat> everything in this world is communication and negotiation. And I don't care... If you're a kindergartner, you know, it's communication and negotiation. But you have to understand, number one, your communication, your words, because it's propelling you as a person. 
And you have to understand where the other person's coming from and their words of meaning so that you can have the same meaning, so you create the same meaning so that you can have rapport, which means getting along and understanding what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Callous. So Callous. It's, that's when I you again, uh, and I didn't know, I thought you had finished this sentence, uh, but we came into callous before, and then I think uh, we got into the words again. But, yeah, color, uh, color, I tell, people tell me they want to be prosperous. So first we have to identify what that word means to them. And they always give you the meaning they think it might be, but it's not the meaning they're demonstrating and living. So one of the things that I tell them, I want you to look outside and in when you're in Florida or California, and you're in states one of the main colors that you see is green. And in America, our dollar bills are kind of green, right? It's called currency Mm -hmm. back then. Now it's called money. Currency means that it flows in and it flows out. Money is just money. So I tell people, you look out there and you see green. And when people see this beautiful forest green colors, they feel good. And so when you're looking to have a prosperous feeling of good health, if you wear a beautiful green T-shirt and go to sleep and you say, I feel this wonderful green inside of me, then what happens is the body knows what green is. It knows that it flourishes and refurbishes. It knows that it's prosperous and abundant. So there's something that changes in the person. So they have what they call chakras in the body. These are energy levels. And there's been attachment of colors. Well, depending on what society or what study group study you're in, they can have different colors. But one of the main colors of a chakra is orange. And it's like a tangerine orange. And so if you've ever watched the sun come up, It comes up pale, but it looks kind of goldish, and then it goes into an orange. And especially when it goes to sunset, it's a beautiful orange. Yeah. And that's the power of of creation. So if you're looking to give yourself energy, and you're looking for the energy, and you're looking to choose your wording to propel you forward with energy, then you wear the color of tangerine orange, and it picks up your energy. That's nice and, and interesting because I have my workroom in Stockholm, Sweden, is an orange, and mm-hmm. the one here in Florida is also all orange. I'm looking at orange all over the place now. An energy color. Yeah. And then you have the color purple, or this violet color, and that was a hard color to get. So in the old, old days, only the wealthy, the kings and queens and the aristocratic, you know, they wore purple because it was royalty. And then they had an offshoot of royal blue royalty. And then when you go into the blue, if you're looking to be calm, what's blue in this world? I tell people, what's the color of that sky? Blue. What's the color of the water? Blue. How does it make you feel? Calm. Yeah. And then white, they started this a long time ago, 
that when you wear white as a bride, a new bride, it was purity, right? And so when you wear white, it used to be in hospitals, used to be in America, not now. In hospitals, everybody wore white because it meant purity, being clean. What does the word purity mean? I think good, clean, pure thoughts. So you're giving a symbol to yourself that you are pure, that you are clean, that you are higher level, right? It signifies higher level. So red, when you use red, that has always been a war color. It's aggressive, and it causes aggressiveness. And the blood yeah. red is true blue true blue blood red means the color of our blood which is alive so there's and all I've colors seen red. this red in many old uh, european dining rooms in the old yeah. castles so on they've had the red uh, walls with the gold in the dining rooms particularly yes and i suppose people felt good together with with the food and <laughs> the red yeah well red improves appetites did you know that you know, I remember a long time ago that you said, I think it was you, and it kind of got stuck in my mind, and was something about if you have green plates, people would eat less, Yeah. or green napkins. Is that so? Yes, they eat less. Yeah. And, and then that's if you fantastic have... information for a lot of people. Yeah. If so you don't, have don't buy in a red place, buy them green. Right. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, a lot of places are going black, black tablecloths, black napkins. Yes. What do you feel about that with black everything? And I know people have black candles and black Black tables. is black. very conservative in clothing. And it's mysterious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The little black dress for the woman, mysterious. Yes. And when a man wears a black suit, it used to be black and white. He wore a black suit with a white shirt. And he'd have the tie, right? It yeah. meant that you were intellectual, you're conservative in your mannerisms and your thoughts. It also was um, used in churches. Mm-hmm. You know, the the nowadays though, could be in black the cities of Europe, you see the young businessmen they're all in black suits. Yes, I yes, don't know if that's old, put on here. Yeah, there's there's a whole country. color scheme that's coming in the world. There used to be a lot of pastels and whatever. You know, now you're seeing all the houses, especially in America, you know, that there are the gray colors. That's conservative. You know, I'm not going to be too too far out Does there. Does gray have any meaning to it? Well, gray carries, it, it gives you, a, when you look at the color gray, it gives you a mood that is, not fired up and excited, not depressed and down, but is sort of in the middle because it's a blend of colors. And so gray is where you're not going to really step out and cause a difficulty. That's what it makes you feel like. But it gives you that conservative feeling. That's why most of the men, their their clothing that they had in suits were brown, earth color, right? Gray. And black, 
and navy blue. And then they had variations of those in tweeds. And it's only been uh, probably the last 10 years that they've added color with their shirts. But we had a color blast in the 1970s almost all around the world where they used the rainbow colors. Which I think is nice. I love colors myself. Yeah. Colors are exciting. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when when we see a rainbow, the arc in the sky... Yes. Right? So what colors do you see there? You see pink. Now, pink's an interesting color. That pink is calming. Baby pink is very calming. And the brighter pinks makes you feel good. You want to laugh. That's why they they used to make uh, bubble gum in that bright pink color. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So we associate the pink of the color of the taste of pink to be bubble gum color, taste, (laughs) you know. And so it's, you know, when you look at vegetables that are green, they're cleansers of the body, right? Yeah. When you look at apples, they're red or yellow or green, depending on what they are. But the red apple seems to sell quite a bit. People like that good feeling of the red. So, you know, it's colors play such a part. So when you use different colors, when you're using your affirmation when you know the words, the meaning of the words that you put into your affirmation, and you put it on a color palette, depending on that color is how you're going to view it and incorporate it and utilize it and be it. Mm -hmm. So if you use gold and yellow, you're going to be happy. You're going to feel enriched. Gold is kind of a yellow color. So when you have gold jewelry, you feel enriched, right? Makes you feel prosperous. And okay. when you have silver, that gives another feeling, but it looks nice. Yeah, so you I have all these ranges. women who hate to wear yellow, I mean gold, and they mm-hmm. go for the silver. Right. They cannot just stand the energy of the gold. And I wondered, what is that? Why is that? Why don't they like that yellow? Every (laughs) every color has a vibration of intensity in it. Mm -hmm. So if you measured color, which they do with light, they have the megahertz, okay, 1,000 cycles per second, megahertz. And the red light will have a sharper up and down movement. Yellow does, gold does. Blue Does it go with wavelength. the chakra color since red is on from the of the first chakra and mm-hmm. yellow is the third chakra, so to speak? Mm-hmm. It goes up the ladder. So uh, the frequencies should go up and up. Yeah, the frequencies rise. And yeah. so, you know, the very top chakra, they say, is violet or white, you know, which is a high frequency. And, very uh, true. Yeah. Because in the white, uh, white is the highest frequency. You have all colors in that one at the highest of colors. frequency. That's why it turns white. Yeah, you have all the colors. So. And it's so scintillating and, and effervescent. I've died twice and came back and went up through the light. And it's all you very did? white, 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 white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a very white, white, scintillating, effervescent, amazing, amazing, beyond our words. Uh, yeah. The feeling, but it's a very high frequency. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it must be if you all have come that far, you know. <laughs> so, and um, I remember you said at the beginning of this hour that you, when you were young, you saw an angelic being or you saw an angel. How do you see angels? I can't explain that. I've done it ever since I saw them ever since I was a kid. I used to see uh, spirits walking around, and well, I still do, but I've learned how to put filters over my eyes so that I can go to football games and things. Um, (laughs) You know, it's a little hard when you see so much. And as a little child, I didn't know. I thought everybody was like that. What do I know? You know, I see it. Yeah, I was the same. You believe everyone is, is that way, so you don't mention it because no one else mentions it. Right. But I would get so excited, you know, with my relatives, and I'd see that they were going to have a baby, and I'd run up and I'd say, oh, oh, you're going to have a baby, and you're going to name it this. And I'd go, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. And then my That's mother kind would of freaky, over. though. Yeah. yeah, my mother would run over, okay, okay, get your book. She'd dress me in beige. <laughs> me against those beige walls. Just read your book. Don't tell yeah. anybody what you see. <laughs> so I was trained to be shy, very shy. Yeah. And I grew up yeah. as... You know, as a teenager, I was very shy, and then I realized one day, this is going to get me nowhere. <laughs> you know, you can't be real shy and try to do anything in this world because you're a fraidy cat. You know, you're filled with fear. Yeah. And so but, to this day, I don't wear beige. <laughs> why not? I mean, what does beige? You see so much to of me, beige. And, and to me, what beige it means that, you know, you're not showing anything. You know, so I, my mother dressed me in beige because I had kind of beige skin, right? And she'd put me against a beige wall, and she'd give she me a beige no book. beige, though, I think. <laughs> so no one could see me, you know. I just would sit yeah. there very quietly. Beige it has is, been yeah, so it, much of the fashion to decorate in beige. Yeah. Uh, what is your feeling on, on having beige walls and beige furniture, and, and particularly in Florida where you used to have all the colors? And now the new decorators have various shades of beige. Well, you know, when you use color, it stimulates people. It moves you up the ladder of excitement or down the ladder for relaxation. And beige with the accent of black, a lot of black now. These are all conservative colors. These aren't going to raise up too many emotions, so it goes into a conservative conservative Yeah, I call it corporate colors, you know. Corporate colors, conservative But you're seeing uh, black everywhere, um, you know, black and white, black and beige, uh, black and brown, and maybe an accent of yellow or orange, uh, a lot of orange accents and a little bit of the red accents. So we're going into what is called a conservative period, and that happens every once in a while. You see where the colors will change that people are buying with their cars. Like, look at the cars. Almost everybody's buying Silver cars, uh, gold cars, you don't see a lot of blue cars too much, but it's all the metal colors. Then every once in a while, you know, you'll see the you'll see the red cars with people wanting to be out there and be noticed. Yeah, you can and, see them, uh, but police can also spot you very easily if you're speeding. Oh, yeah, and then, then the white cars. You've got a lot of white cars in Florida, they say, because of the heat. But then you see a lot of black cars, too. See, it's, it's yeah, a conservative movement. Yes, even a small, cheaper car will look impressive if it's shiny black. Yeah. It's just not a very practical color. The, I see we're coming to the end here. In yeah. fact, we only have a few seconds left. Mm-hmm. I'd like to thank you so very, very much to meet oh, with welcome. you again. Would you like to do it again? <laughs> oh, sure. It's my fun. <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you so much. No, it was great fun meeting with you, and there's so many things we can speak about. And, uh, and of course, I didn't get into that healing session we gave a woman who had a brain tumor that no one can get rid of, but we got rid of it. We Which did, was, and that's the power yeah. of thought that comes through the power of word, that comes through the power of feeling. And, yeah. when and we two, spoke all the time, you see. Yeah, and, and we spoke all the time. We were reinforcing You do that in your too. sessions. I do that all the time mm-hmm. in my sessions, too. And mm-hmm. people say, well, I don't remember what you said. I said, it doesn't matter. The power of the words, the energy of the world, we go to the right place. It goes there, right. And no one taught us that. No one taught no. you, I'm sure. No one no. taught me. No. It's just the ability we have, and it works. <laughs> oh, yep, it works. It works. It works. So, um, and it's pity. I'm waiting for your book so I can announce your book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully that will be uh, a reasonably good time. <laughs> yeah. Remember the power of the word. I have the a power book. of the word. Yes. yes, I'm writing on a book right now. <laughs> <laughs> because usually people come on the show to promote the book or, or, or yeah, yeah, promote right. something. And uh, with you now, I was chit-chatting about what we know or what you know, and that's why I was so happy to have We have gone over the time a little bit, so it will be recorded for the archives, but it mm-hmm. wasn't coming in to the uh, regular, you know. Right. I don't know how many listen, but we have a lot of people. As I said, we are. Uh, I have tens and tens of thousands who listen to this show, which is nice, all over the world. Yes, that's wonderful. Well, I want to thank you very much for this opportunity. It's been great. It was nice meeting with you too, and I hope we we'll see each other soon or meet again soon. Yep, sounds good, my dear. Thank you so much. And okay, to you thanks. all out there, you can uh, you don't do you have a website, Dee? I don't have a website. I just have a cell phone. Okay. <laughs> 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 so, anyway, so anyone who wants to reach me again, go to my website www.activale.com. It's being worked at these days and uh, you can, if you go to it in the next couple of days, you will have a new uh, layout, a new information, a new everything, I suppose. So uh, don't hesitate. And again, my email address is activale at gmail.com. Thank you all and see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye, Dee. Thank you. <laughs>